What is a trade secret and why should you care? It's the Keith Law PLLC podcast, and I'm Jason Keith, attorney in Houston, Texas. Keith Law is a Texas-based law firm that helps businesses protect and enhance their competitive advantages by assisting with trademark issues and identifying and protecting trade secrets. The firm's goal is to help businesses prevent and address business problems, and I hope this podcast will do the same. On this episode of the Keith Law PLLC podcast, I'm going to be focusing on what a trade secret is and why you should care. Primarily, this podcast episode is going to be focused on what a trade secret is. It's so important to understand what a trade secret is because of the reason you should care. And the reason you should care, just to cut to the chase, is that trade secrets provide competitive advantages to your business by definition. If they don't provide you with a competitive advantage, they're not trade secrets. But if they are trade secrets, you have to take reasonable steps to protect them because taking reasonable steps to protect their secrecy is also part of the definition of trade secret. Trade secret's a type of intellectual property such as a trademark, patent, or copyright, but it's different. Your trade secret's not going to be protected if it's mishandled. In Texas, trade secrets are protected under the Texas Uniform Trade Secrets Act. T-U-T-S-A, which I'll refer to as TUTSA. Federal law also protects trade secrets. There, the statute is called the Defend Trade Secrets Act. And in Texas, any statutory gaps are filled by looking to the common law that protected trade secrets before the state adopted TUTSA in 2013. Take a look at the blog post for hyperlinks to these different statutes or Wikipedia articles that explain the different terms. First, I'm going to give you the statutory definition under TUTSA, and then I'll give you a simplified definition of trade secret. TUTSA says that a trade secret means all forms and types of information. So we're focusing on information, including business, scientific, technical, economic, or engineering information, and any formula, design, prototype, pattern, plan, compilation, program device, program, code, device, method, technique, process, procedure, financial data, or list of actual or potential customers or suppliers, whether it's tangible or intangible, and whether it's stored or how it's stored, compiled, or memorialized. It can be stored electronically, graphically, photographically, or in writing if one and two are both true. One, the owner of the trade secret has taken reasonable measures under the circumstances to keep the information secret, and two, the information derives independent economic value, actual or potential independent economic value, from not being generally known to and not being readily ascertainable through proper means by another person who can obtain economic value from the disclosure or use of the information. The simplified definition that I like to use is that under Texas law, to be protected, a trade secret must one, two, and three. One, be a secret. Two, be used in the owner's trade or business. And three, give the owner a competitive advantage over persons who do not know or use it. If it's not a secret, it's not a trade secret. If you don't use it in a way that provides you with value or if your competitors would know it, it provides them with value. No value, no trade secret. 
along the lines of providing value, it gives you a competitive advantage to have this trade secret as a trade secret. If it doesn't provide a competitive advantage, it's not a trade secret. First, let's focus on the secret part of the definition. Talking about the secrecy part of trade secret, there has to be a substantial element of secrecy. So if you're thinking about the patents that you're holding as trade secrets, they're probably not, at least not the aspects of the patent that you entered into the public record. When you file for patent protection, you apply by disclosing the information related to the patent. And if a patent is issued, you're given a limited monopoly or a limited exclusionary right to use your patent. But in exchange for that, you've made things about the patent public. And the public policy idea behind that is we want inventors to both benefit from their inventions, but also disclose the information related to the invention so that additional innovation can occur. Because filing for and getting a patent eliminates the secrecy aspect of the invention or process, it doesn't qualify as a trade secret. However, information related to the patent that's not disclosed in the patent documents may still be protectable as a trade secret. So we're still talking about the secrecy aspect of the definition of trade secret. Note that absolute secrecy is not required. Limited disclosure to others does not necessarily destroy the trade secret's protectability especially if that person has a duty of confidentiality. Still talking about the secrecy aspect of trade secret. The trade secret has to be something that's not readily obtainable or easily discoverable by others unless they're using improper means of discovery. So generally information secret only if it's not readily ascertainable or easily discoverable by others except through use of improper means or by engaging in other tortious behavior, that's behavior that you could sue on. However, if the object in question is a complex device and its construction is not ascertainable at a glance, the object may have the required degree of secrecy to qualify as a trade secret. A legal purchase followed by reverse engineering is permissible, but the purchase has to be through proper means and then through inspection and analysis, a duplicate can be made unless the item is patented. But you don't lose your trade secret protection just because your design or your information could have been obtained through an inspection and reverse engineering. It has to actually happen that way. It's not a defense for a former employee to say, sure, I took the drawings. But it's not a trade secret because someone else could have purchased the device or the information and reverse engineered. That's not a defense. But actual purchase, good faith purchase, that leads to a reverse engineering and then duplication is permissible so long as it doesn't infringe on a patent. In these types of cases, courts look at how the defendant learned of the plaintiff's design because trade secret law is usually concerned with how the trade secret was discovered. Still talking about the secrecy aspect of trade secret, the owner must have taken reasonable steps to protect the secret from disclosure. Courts consider the following factors to determine whether the measures that were taken were good enough to maintain substantial secrecy. And this is one through four. One, 
Were there non-disclosure agreements? Two, what kind of security was used? Three, how was access to the information handled? Was the information restricted to people who only needed the information to do their jobs? And four, any other confidentiality measures, such as may have been in effect at the time that the matter was alleged to have been a secret. I want to inject a warning here, and I do the same in the blog post, where disclosure of your trade secret without appropriate protection and without making the party aware that secrecy is a condition of the disclosure can result in the loss of trade secret protection. And as an example, the inventor who showed their invention to a manufacturer without taking any steps to maintain the secrecy could lose the trade secret protection. Keep in mind that the person claiming a trade secret is not required to satisfy all of these factors because trade secrets don't fit neatly into each factor every time. Instead, the question of whether something's a trade secret is determined by courts through comparing and evaluating all of these factors together, including the value, secrecy, and definiteness of the information, as well as the nature of the misappropriating party's conduct. Here are some more factors that courts look at. The extent to which the information is known outside the business. The extent to which employees and others involved in the business know the information or whether the information is restricted to only those who need to know. The extent of the measures taken to guard the secrecy. The value of the information to the business. The amount the business spent to develop the information. And the ease or difficulty with which information could be properly acquired or duplicated by others. The best practice for maintaining secrecy is to, whenever possible, have non-disclosure agreements, confidentiality agreements with your employees, and ensure that secrecy is maintained with passwords, physical barriers where available, whatever the situation dictates. The overarching question is whether reasonable steps were taken to maintain the secrecy. As an aside, novelty is not required for a trade secret to be considered a trade secret. The reason I bring that up is because novelty is a requirement for an invention to be patentable, but information doesn't have to be novel to be treated as a trade secret. Do you have to use your trade secret for it to be considered a trade secret? So that the answer to that used to be yes, but Texas courts sometimes ignore this aspect of trade secret. For example, there was a trade secret device that was never used by its owner, but was licensed to another business to use. In Texas, that was good enough, even though the owner had never used the trade secret. Texas sometimes includes under this use aspect something that would provide a defendant, a competitor, with a head start and may assist or accelerate research and development. Competitive advantage. A trade secret gives its owner a competitive advantage. That's an aspect of the definition of a trade secret. If the information doesn't provide a competitive advantage, it's not a trade secret. Sometimes the term independent economic value is used, and it means that the information provides value not only to the owner, but also that it would provide value to competitors if the competitors had the information. As an example, in 1997, a court found that a plaintiff's process for marinating their fajitas was a trade secret because it provided that business the ability to offer better fajitas than its competitors. Lastly, I'd like to go through some categories of trade secrets and some examples of things that have been found to be trade secrets. First, I'll cover some technical information, 
that's been found to be trade secrets. Then I'll touch on customer lists for a minute because customer lists are such an important aspect of trade secret discussions. And then I'll just go through a list of other types of commercial information that can constitute a trade secret. Technical information can be trade secrets such as formulas and recipes. And that's not just the ingredients, but the amounts that are used and the processes for combining processes and procedures. So maybe not the car wax itself, but the process for applying the car wax by the business, that process could be a trade secret. The machines that are used internally in the business, molds can be considered trade secrets. Blueprints and drawings, product designs and information, technical specifications, computer software, and also information on what not to do. This is known as negative know-how. You spend a lot of research and development, blood, sweat, and tears learning what not to do to become a competitive business. The product of that learning what not to do can be considered a trade secret. If your competitors learn that the easy way, you lose that competitive advantage. So those were some examples of technical information that can qualify as trade secrets, and it's not an exhaustive list. Listen back to the definition to see how broad the definition of trade secret really is. Next, I want to talk about customer lists for a second. Customer lists are maybe where one of the biggest fights occur when it comes to trade secret litigation. You hired an employee, they worked with you for a year or two or however long, they leave, maybe they leave on bad terms, they take the customer list with them, and get hired by your competitor. That's just an example of how losing that trade secret can hurt a business. Tutsa specifically lists customer lists as potential trade secrets, and Texas courts will recognize customer lists as trade secrets or not based on how they were created, how they were kept, and the defendant's specific relation to the owner of the list. So Former employees will be treated differently than a stranger who walked in off the street and found a piece of paper in your parking lot that just so happened to have your customer lists on it. But when we're talking about customer lists, we go back to the definition's requirement that independent economic value needs to be connected to this customer list, and reasonable steps have to be taken to maintain the secrecy of the list. If either of those two things are missing, the customer list will not satisfy the definition of trade secret and therefore will not be protected under TUTSA. Just to show how broad the definition of trade secrets can be, I'd like to just run through some other types of commercial information that's protectable. And you can find a list similar to this on the blog post at keith.law. These are types of information that can be protectable as trade secrets if all the other requirements are met. Just some examples, commercial information related to product sales or to other operations in the business, such as codes for determining discounts, rebates, or other concessions in a price list or catalog, lists of specialized customers or methods of bookkeeping or office management, identity of suppliers, identity of customer contacts responsible for purchasing decisions, customer credit information, Pricing data, market information, customer credit histories, customer preferences, pricing information, 
Identity of potential customers. Names, addresses, and information about products purchased by customers. Although retail prices are public, cost of upgrades, items sold separately, components, and labor is not public. Methods of doing business may be protected as trade secrets. Business procedures can be a trade secret. Marketing and financial information can constitute trade secrets as well. The takeaway on this podcast episode and the related blog post is that trade secret is a big topic. This podcast only covers the tip of the iceberg, primarily what a trade secret is and what can constitute a trade secret. The entire focus of this episode is just trying to provide some insight on what a trade secret is, how broad the possibilities are for what could constitute a trade secret, basically any information that can give you a competitive advantage, and the requirement that to be protectable, you have to take reasonable steps to protect the secrecy of the information. If you have any questions or examples you'd like to share of trade secret issues you've run into in the past, check the show notes for information related to this podcast episode. There you'll find a link to the website, a link to the blog post, a direct link to schedule a call with me, show notes that give you timestamps for when I talked about different things. So if there's something you want to refer back to, but you don't want to have to listen to the whole episode, you can check that timestamps list and find exactly where to fast forward to, to listen back to it. If you have a business, I hope you have competitive advantages. And if you do have competitive advantages, there's a good chance that those are related to trade secrets. If you're not sure whether you have trade secrets, it's urgent that you talk to a lawyer in your jurisdiction to help you figure out whether you have trade secrets, what they are, and what makes sense as a strategy to start protecting those trade secrets so that if there is a misappropriation situation, you can get assistance from a court if necessary to help you shut that down. Like so many situations, this is one where an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Getting the right agreements in place ahead of time, making sure that you're not disclosing your trade secrets without the proper protection in place, can help protect from massive headaches down the road, and in many cases, great disappointment. Best wishes to you on identifying and protecting your trade secrets. Disclaimer, this audio is for informational purposes only and should not be misinterpreted as legal or other professional advice. If you have a legal question, you should consult with an attorney in your jurisdiction. This is Jason Keith thanking you for listening to the Keith Law PLLC podcast.